Hello and welcome back to the Harbour Hoops podcast. This is episode 98. We are two off the Magic 100. I'm Liam, your host, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Benjamin Jones. Ben, a couple of weeks off due to a wedding slash some illnesses. Now we're back. Yes, feeling fitter than ever, he says, lying <laughs> out of his He says while drinking a beer during a podcast. There we go. Oh my God, I wish. <laughs> How have you been? How is your NBA watching been? I know you're a fan of watching as many games as possible in the mornings before work. Have you managed to keep up the trend as always? Uh, I've been trying to. been a bit more intermittent uh, with a few other bits going on, but pretty much still in the loop. Lots going on. Busy time uh, in real life and the NBA, but it's all <laughs> enjoyable stuff. Definitely. And your calves are doing well, which maybe we will touch on <laughs> later on in the episode. We shall see. Uh, also, if anyone doesn't know, Benjamin is going to be a dad. So there's going to be one more Cavs fan in the UK, which means a to- total of about five. So it's a beautiful thing for the world. <laughs> hey, if, if it's five, it's doubled in the past year, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, that's how busy you've been. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cool. Plan for today, then. We're going to go through our usual NBA winners and losers. Uh, talk about teams and people that we think have done well slash maybe haven't done well. Then we're going to do a rookie watch segment. Uh, every week we're going to try and add a, a different sort of flavour uh, to the second part of the show. So today we're going to talk about some rookies. Uh, then I've got a question for Ben that he doesn't know. Uh, and then we'll just end talking about our NBA pick'em, which I've managed to claw back after a tough first couple of weeks. So let's start, mate. Would you like to start on NBA winners or losers first? Positive or negative? I'll let you be the uh, the judge. Let's get the losers out of the way. Go on then. Who's your first one? Give it to us. Uh, surprisingly, I'm going to go in on them off the bat. Um, <laughs> my first losers of this week are my very own Cleveland Cavaliers. Oh, wow. Losers. What a shot or twist. Only because in terms of their playing and where they are in the standings, they are doing incredibly well. Defensive rating ninth in the NBA out of all the 30 teams. 21st in offensive rating, but not surprising with three seven-footers in the starting lineup. However, injuries have struck the Cavs camp. Um, Colin Sexton went down. He suffered a torn meniscus. So... Um, I think we've spoken about this injury before, haven't we? I had a partial yeah. tear in my meniscus and it took a minimum of six to eight weeks. Um, I imagine a full tear is longer. Um, so that's a real shock. But they, they, they kept going. They, they managed to fill that void. Um, they've had some really good contributions from everybody, especially Ricky Rubio, uh, uh, Jet Allen. Chetty Osman's been really, really good for them in the past couple of games so it's really nice to see but then Evan Mobley goes down he's out with an elbow injury for two to four weeks yeah. uh, and then we've got Laurie Markin and Kevin Love and Jarrett Allen all day to day at the moment with health protocols and, and illnesses so for me at the moment especially since their next game is the Golden State Warriors uh, the Cavs are looking like a bit of a loser at the moment. Oh, sorry, Brooklyn and then the, the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> yeah, back looking, back. yeah, followed by the Nets again and then the Suns. <laughs> yeah, so it's a real terrible run for them coming up in terms of tough games. Um, so I'm not expecting anything from them. I think it's just going to be kind of 
rest key players and damage control. Yeah, which is a shame after how they uh, how they start the season. But I do agree; those injuries mean a lot, especially a team like Cleveland that do play inside out with all those bigs. Um, yeah, and we'll talk about him later. But obviously, Mobley's been uh, by far the Cavaliers' best player. So, however long he misses, the team's definitely definitely going to suffer. Um, my first losers then also from the Eastern Conference, but uh, the opposite sort of team. So a team that was expected to do amazing, um, but haven't quite achieved that yet. I've gone with the Philadelphia 76ers. They are 8-7 and seven overall, but they're on a five-game losing streak. Uh, slightly relevant to yours as well, because um, it was due to some protocol stuff uh, that Joel Embiid's missed a couple of games. Uh, I think Seth Curry missed a game as well. Uh, obviously, Ben Simmons continues to be away from the team, which adds to another reason why they're a loser, because the longer it drags out, I think the worse the franchise looks. I think the least you can trade Ben Simmons for, which is obviously really bad for the franchise. Uh, and I think the more it goes on, the more people are going to be asking for Maxi and Simmons if you want to get anyone sort of good. So for me, they're losers because, again, I know it's not his fault, but Joel's missed some time. They've not played great in the last six games, actually. They did win six games ago, but they still own. That was the game they should have won anyway. Uh, and I think the Ben Simmons stuff is just going to carry on dragging on. So 76ers were, were losers for me. Yeah, I think that game, that first game where uh, uh, Joel Embiid was out was when Andre Drummond had that massive, like, double-double crazy yeah. stat line. Um, and then it all kind of went downhill very fast <laughs> from there. Yeah, lost the Jazz by 35 points, didn't they? Lost the Raptors, Pacers. They, I know they've played the Bucks and stuff, but they've lost some teams they should beat as well. So, uh, yeah, I do just think that things are a bit of an issue for them at the moment. Um, I don't quite know how you turn it around. Um, I think the Ben Simmons stuff is a distraction now. I'm not really sure where that goes. I don't know what sort of deal you can get for him. I think you have to trade him at the deadline now. Um, but yeah, I just think the season so far has been very disjointed for a team that uh, I knew we were going to know they were going to be distracted, but I still thought they'd be better than they, they have been. Yeah, especially over the last little run. They started well, but um, they had a nice little, was it six-game winning streak before this five-game losing streak. So, a streaky team. Um, for me personally, I, I do think, yeah, they need to just get rid of Simmons. And I think the two, I personally think the two best options out there, if the team would bite on it, would be um, send him to Portland for CJ, um, yeah. get a bit more... Uh, create his own offense and then shooting around Joel Embiid or to Boston for Tatum or for Brown. Either one, you'd take either. Um, I think it helps all the teams involved, but hey, what do I know? <laughs> yeah, I think I would, uh, if I was them, I would add, they, they won't do this, but I would add Heald and Barnes in a trade for Danny Green and Simmons and then Picks because I think Heald and Barnes that how much shooting they add to that team with Joel yeah. and Maxi and Thibault and Seth Curry, I think they'd be dangerous, but apparently they they want a star or what Maury calls a difference maker. So we'll see. Um, but I know we're both on the same card. We don't we don't actually think that he'll play for the 76ers again. I know that's my yeah. view. I think that's your view as well, isn't it? Yeah, even though they tried to patch it up, I think um I don't think he suits up again. No. Cool. Uh who's your second loser then of the week? Um, two or two weeks, I guess. <laughs> you touched on them briefly, but the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah. Um, definite loser for me at the moment. 21st 
in defensive rating in the NBA for one of the most consistently best defensive teams over the past, I'd say, four seasons. They look atrocious this year. I know they've had issues with, again, illnesses and injuries, people in and out of the lineups and stuff. Um, But they've lost some very winnable games. Um, And it's weird to see them. Where are they at the moment? 11 in the East. Six, Six and eight. eight. Yeah, I, it is absolutely. It's crazy, and I'm. I'm not worried about them yet. I. It's still very early in the season. They've got time to come back, but it's definitely not what I expected from this team that are essentially running it back um, off the back of a championship win, not just a good championship run, a championship win. Yeah. Uh, um. So. Like I said, I think they're going to turn it around soon. They just they they need to make it happen sooner rather than later. Yeah, I completely agree. It's been a bit of a season from hell uh, after winning a title. It does happen quite a lot for teams that win titles. The Lakers came out pretty slow last year, um, and the Bucks have had a lot of injuries. Uh, I do know that, but yeah, their defense is it's like you said, it has not been the same. I actually think. Uh, so I read a stat yesterday that in the last five seasons at this point in the season, which is early, they've always been in the top six of defensive rating. Uh, and like you said, they're 21st or 22nd, depending on which site you look at. Yeah. So, yeah, that that's clearly the crux of their issues is that and the health. Um, and they need to be a defensive team because they don't traditionally score a lot of threes compared to some teams in the NBA. So if you're going to have a lot of twos, a lot of offensive rebounds, a lot of paint scoring, you need to be good on defense. You can't be giving up loads of three-pointers. Uh, and at the moment... To be fair, they are. In terms of what's their overall? I'm trying to look when you do um, net, when you do offensive and defensive, they are 22nd. <laughs> yeah. So their offensive isn't even pulling them up enough to be up there. So yeah, it's been a pretty poor start. Giannis has still looked really good, um, but the rest of the team definitely, definitely let them down. But I agree with you. When you're looking at the schedule as well, they've got some winnable games. I know every game for Milwaukee should be winnable, shouldn't it? But they've got in the next 10, they've got some games that you would consider very winnable playing teams like the magic twice thunder pistons um pacers so hopefully for them it, it turns around but i'll tell you what then their next game against the lakers will be big for both teams involved in that because yeah. uh the lakers need to look themselves in the mirror as well yeah and they both had a lot of injuries as well so it'd be interesting to see what sort of matchups we get it could be mellow yeah. on lopez for some uh, offensive rebounds <laughs> <laughs> if Lopez ever graces the court again if he does yeah we shall see um, cool my next loser then I've gone with the team uh, first team then from the west um, we spoke about today I've gone with the Trailblazers uh, I think they they have won they win their last game yeah but overall 7-8 and eight. Uh, offensive wise it's Damian Lillard's worst season uh, as a team they sit in the bottom half of the league in offensive rating uh, we are they've only played 15 games so far and there's already been four reports of four team meetings slash four coach interventions where they've had to use the words, we're not playing hard enough, we're not trying hard enough. And we've played 15 games. And Billups is already doing that four times. Um, he's called it out in the media four times as well, so it's public, so everybody knows about it. It's not some sort of rumoured thing where we don't know what's going on. He's basically said it four times in front of the media. And I don't think that looks great. Um, we said all along, the team is too similar to the last two seasons. It's not been enough changes. Um, there's now rumours that he's come out and said he's going to make changes to his starting lineup if this carries on, whether that be Nurkic or Covington. 
Um, I just expect CJ, Nurkic and Covington, I expect two of those players to, to leave the Blazers soon uh, or else they're going to be a serious risk of, uh, of losing Damian Lillard. Yeah, I, I mean, they brought Larry Nance over to kind of booster their defence, but all I think it's done is highlight how bad everybody else's defence is. Yeah. Because uh, to this point, Nurkic was, I thought he's a good defender, like a, a, a good defender, not like a standout defender, but... Uh, Larry Nance is a good defender and he's made Nurkic look like an absolute amateur. So uh, they, they really need to, to do something to sort this team out quickly, I think. Otherwise, I don't see it getting much better for them from here. Yeah, they're 23rd in defensive rating and they've given up the second most three-point shots in the NBA. So their defence, like you said, still not great. I don't think it's ever going to be great when your two players who play the most minutes in your backcourt are two bad defenders, but... They definitely don't do enough enough scheme-wise um, to make a difference. I do agree with you, actually. I think Nance being there has only highlighted that Nurkic's defence. So we all said, oh, he's their best defender. But that's because everyone else was so bad. Now you see an actual good defender on the court, you realise that since his injuries, I don't think Nurkic is the same player now on defensive yeah. end. Uh, so I think that's a worry. It wouldn't shock me if he was, him and um, Cullen were, were both traded, um, if they want to rebuild. But... Yeah, we'll see what Dame says about that. It's been a very strange season for the Blazers. They have caught up a little bit. They're not as low as they were two weeks ago in all statistics, but still not the start that we expect to uh, to see for them. Uh, who's your last loser then so far? So my last loser, a team we haven't spoken about much this season, but um, A, I feel like we should talk about them a little bit, but B, they're not having a great time at the moment. And that's San Antonio Spurs. Um, I don't expect big things from this season, but they're four and ten. They're on a three-game losing streak. Um, yeah, they don't have the superstars that they used to have. They are in kind of tank slash rebuild mode, but um, there's some good raw talent on this team. Um, when you look at Dejounte uh, Murray and, and Derek White, Lonnie Walker, there, there's some Dougie McBuckets. <laughs> there's some the good. Friend of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's some good players on this team. It's just... Um, yeah, they're in rebuild mode. And I completely get that. I completely understand it. I'm on board with it. It's just a shame to see the Spurs on a three-game losing streak. Especially when I want Pop to get to that all-time winning coaches record. Yeah, he needs 20-odd wins, doesn't he? I think yeah. this season. Um, obviously, they should get that, but... Four and ten is not a great start if you take that out. So you should still get to twenty odd wins, but I think it's high twenties they need. Um, it's going to be tough to get to near thirty wins if you if you carry on with this. And they've got some difficult yeah. games coming up as well. But uh, they're, they're very different to Portland. It seems like the offense is the issue. They're not scoring enough points. Uh, their fourth quarter scoring is the second worst in the West, only behind the Rockets, who are terrible. Uh, and their offensive rating is near the bottom of the league. Their assist percentage is near the bottom of the league. So I think it's their offense, which we kind of knew would be poor, wouldn't it? Yeah. But, you just hope that Pop and his guys and, and Becky Hammond can scheme something up. But at the moment, uh, their offense is very sporadic, which I think is the reason they're struggling. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, defensively, they're kind of middle of the run, doing quite well. But yeah, offensively, they are struggling. Yeah, it's a shame to see. Um, I do think this could be his last season. Just get that record if you can and then bow off into the sunset, let Becky take over, I think. Yeah, sure. I think that's what we... Uh, we expect to potentially happen. 
Um, my last loser then is a team that's only one place above them in the standards, standings. I've gone with Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, also on a two-game loser streak. Spurs obviously on a three-game, they're on a two-game. They're four and nine, so they're only ahead of the Spurs because they played one less game. As soon as they lose <laughs> their next game, which they probably will, uh, they'll be down there. And I just wanted to add them as losers because I watched a couple of games this season of theirs, and I know I heard about it on Bill Simmons' podcast and the No Dunks podcast. Then the fourth quarters is very much... Um, D'Angelo Russell taking the shots and Carl Anthony Towns uh, in four games this season they've lost by less than double digits he has had the least amount of shots for any of the starters minus uh, Malik Beasley so there's three or four players every time having more shots than him in the fourth quarter in games they're only down between one and ten so for me I think He's not playing like an alpha. I do worry that maybe he is the second best player on a, fran- on a championship team. Maybe he's not the best player yeah. that everyone thought he would be. And I think for him, he needs to get traded elsewhere. But if I'm the Timberwolves, I don't do that because of the raw talent. I'd rather try and see if I can trade D'Angelo Russell somewhere um, and build around build around him and Edwards. But for me, it's not working at the moment. The team's defense is still really bad. This is a year they need to get into the playoffs and they're not looking like a playoff team at the moment, I don't think. No, um, and they they started well when they started this season. I kind of saw a bit of a, a light for them. Started with a two game winning streak. I was like, yes, this is the kind of Timberwolves team we've been expecting to see for a couple of seasons now. Uh, everyone was fit, everyone was playing well, and then it all just fell apart so quickly. Um, and when, you, when you've got a team with D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns on, and Anthony Edwards is potentially your best player and he's a second-year player, uh, it's worrying. Yeah, he, he should be the third option, but you're right. Cat's uh, disappearing in fourth quarters. D'Angelo is shooting, but his shooting's not been great this season. No. Um, so... Yeah, they need to make some adjustments in the team. I think the roster is quite good. It's not awful. Um, but I think you're right. They need to make some adjustments in terms of who is on the ball, who's taking the shots and when, rather yeah. than let's blow it all up, make some big changes. Yeah, there's definitely no hierarchy, it seems, there. Uh, and offensive rating-wise, they are 26th in the NBA. And this is a team that is an offensive team. This is not a defensive team when you look at the people that close and start the lineups. Like, their three best players, I know Edwards is arguably a bit of a better defender than maybe people give him credit for, but their three best players are not good on defence. And they all, in theory, are good on offence, but the team is not reflecting that. So I agree. There needs to be some changes to the scheme and and, and who's getting touches, etc. But yeah, it seems like we've been saying that for Timberwolves, no matter who's the coach, no matter who's the point guard. So uh, I don't know when it's going to change, but... We shall see. Uh, let's move over to winners then, mate. Uh, start us off on a positive note. Give us your, your first winner. Yeah, nice. Okay. Uh, first winner I'm going in with is the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix nine Suns. Yes, yeah, started very slow this season, but they're now up to nine wins on the bounce. One of them, their most recent win against Minnesota, 99-96, so a close affair, but still a win. Um, it's been a slightly, well, it's, there's been some tough games in there, but slightly softer. They've had Houston, they've had Memphis, um, Portland, which 
is a team in a rut. The Spurs, uh, not Spurs, uh, Sacramento. So they, they've had some up and down opposition in there, but this team has really, really come together. Um, it's been touched upon in other bits of the media. I know there's some stuff going on behind the scenes with um, ownership and, and people kind of being a bit naughty, but this team seems to be ignoring it and playing because I think they know what it feels like to be in that finals and miss out. And they don't want that this year. They want to be in the finals and win. Um, JaVale McGee has been an incredible pickup for them. He's brought so much energy off the bench and has been really great cover um, as their big man has been down recently, uh, Aiton, but he should be back. Um, they're also missing Frank Kaminsky now, who had been playing well, but he is down with a knee injury at the moment, but is kind of day-to-day, and Dario Saric still not back from his ACL at the moment. So any big man they can get in there to help cover is great, and the ones that have been covering have been fantastic, uh, which is what I feel like they missed out on in the playoffs last season, because whenever DeAndre Ayton wasn't on the court, um, they kind of fell apart. So this team looks better, I think, than it, it was last season. So uh, people need to watch out for this Suns team. Yeah, definitely. They've been very impressive. Uh, Chris Paul's looked great as well so far this season. And Devin Booker hasn't had to do as much as, as he did in previous spells in last year. So I agree with you. I think the whole team's looking looking really good. The record speaks for itself. Uh, on paper, the next three games, the start of the season was a really tough run, but uh, Mavericks twice and then the Nuggets, but both teams have now got key players out with injuries. So the Suns uh, expecting they could extend that win by three or four games with the Spurs coming after that. So they could be on a 12, 13, 14 game winning streak before they go on a bit of an East Coast road trip. So, uh, yeah, I think all signs are pretty good for them. Uh, Aiton's supposed to be back hopefully this week. I don't know if they'll risk him against the Mavs just because Luca's out, so maybe they feel like they don't need to risk him. Um, but yeah, if they uh, get him back soon, I only think their defense is going to get go from strength to strength. So I think they've been pretty uh, pretty good this season. You see the Chris Paul uh, nutmeg as well that everyone was talking about. Yes, did see that. Beautiful. He's just something else, isn't he? Yeah, he's playing well. He's he's playing well. He's, he everyone says like, oh, he doesn't like his age. Like you can tell his age and he's slow and stuff, but he's changing his game to develop around that. And I think it's pretty fun. Not many small point guards last this long in the NBA, do they? So. No. It's, good, it's good to see him uh, doing it. So I think the Suns are a good one. Second best team so far in the West. And my first winner is the best team in the West and the best team in the NBA. I've gone with the Golden State Warriors coming off nice. a, a huge win as well. A game that I managed to watch live last night. So that was good. Uh, they beat the Nets 117-99 to with Harden and Durant playing as well. They missed Joe Harris, but it's not like okay, the Warriors aren't missing... Uh, an even better three-point shooter in Clay Thompson on the other end. So I think that's pretty pretty fair. But uh, yeah, they played incredibly well. Another eight threes, I think it was, for Steph. Their record is 12-2. and two. They did lose a bit of a stinker to Charlotte that they probably should have won. They should be sitting here 13-1 and one now. But um, they're 12-2, and two, which is their second best start ever as a franchise. Uh, the offense is incredible. We spoke about it in our preview shows that they've made yeah. some really shrewd acquisitions, some clever guys. You've got Porter, you've got Iguodala back. Draymond Green obviously plays more minutes now that they're they're not losing every week. Um, and I just think the whole roster overall has been really good. Jordan Poole's really got into it after a, a tough week last time we recorded. 
Uh, and I just think they they are. It doesn't mean they are the best team on paper or will be the best team for the season. But at the moment, I think they are the best team in the NBA. They're playing the best. Their offense is incredible. Uh, Steph's probably the leader for MVP in most people's eyes, I would say. Um, so yeah, it's impressive. And apparently, Clay Thompson played five on five yesterday for the first time with the reserves. Ooh. So uh, December, January is uh, looking <laughs> nice. So yeah, what are your thoughts on the Warriors? I'm so excited to get Clay Thompson back. I'm a big, 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 big fan of his. Um, they look electric. Um, I'll tell you who's impressed me the most on that team lately is Wiggins. Incredible play, especially getting to sort of in the fourth quarter when teams are throwing doubles at Steph. He has stepped up in a big way. Um, and uh, Payton's been making headlines as well with his dunks. So... Yeah, Wiggins it's, did a couple of big dunks as well against uh, Carl Anthony Towns when they played each other. That was fun against his old yeah, team. Yeah, he was, he was very up for that game, wasn't he? Yeah, he looks even better this year because I think there's more space for him to operate in because the players around them aren't so kind of poor, I guess, on offense. So it's not kind of like Steph take a three or Wiggins iso score. Uh, even though Wiggins is still iso scoring, he's doing it with a lot more space. He can get more driving kicks. Uh, he's driving to the rim a lot because there's more spacing because they've got more shooters. So I think Wiggins has enjoyed it. Uh, and Draymond Green as well has got the best individual defensive rating for the season so far. Locking KD down yesterday to seven, uh, zero for nine on shots against uh, KD against Draymond. So, yeah, every, all things are firing quite well. Uh, and I think Coach Kerr is probably a um, favourite as well for Coach of the Year early on. I think uh, he, he's kind of showing between him and Steve Nash. Both have got good rosters, but... His coaching seems to be the difference at the moment because that offense looks nice. Yeah, it's flowing so, so well. So hopefully we see Clay back soon and uh, we'll just see what it looks like. And as long as he's healthy, I don't care if he's not as good as he used to be. I just want him to have a healthy rest of the season. Whenever he <laughs> comes back, that'll be, uh, that'll be perfect. Um, cool. Who's your next winner then? Uh, my next winner is the Washington Wizards. Oh, I knew you'd pick the, I knew you'd pick the Wizards. In their last... Yeah, they're, they're playing super, super well. This is all considering, I don't think, Bradley Beal's having a very good season. Um, defensive rating, fifth out of the 30 and 14th offensive. Incredible to see. Um, yeah, the, the players they picked up over the offseason have played brilliantly for them in Montrose Harrell, Spencer Dinwiddie and Kyle Kuzma. Uh, they've been brilliant for them. Uh, Caldwell Pope's been slightly quieter, but um, it's just not had a, as big a role. Um, this is bearing in mind they've still had players in and out of the lineup and in and out with, with injuries and bits. Dav, Davis Bertans in and out and uh, Rui Hachimara in and out. Two really, really good players for them. Um, Bradley Beal, I say only, but only averaging 23.3 points. At the moment, um, with five rebounds, five assists. Think where he was last season, averaging 30-plus or whatever it was in terms of points. Um, but I guess he doesn't have to now. He can share the ball. He's got reliable teammates. It's a deep roster. So, I mean, life's pretty good for him at the moment. He's kind of on cruise control, I think. Um, it will be interesting to see whether they can continue this through the season, whether Beal is going to need to step up at some point and go back into kind of all-star level play. But 
this Wizards team is impressing me no end. Yeah, they got the best home record as well in the East, which is pretty cool. Six and one. Um, and they turned John Wall technically into all these pieces because John Wall got yeah. you Westbrook, who then gets you all these pieces. So, yeah, the GM's done incredible. I think he actually got an extension today uh, and he was made bas- president of basketball operations as well as GM. So they're rewarding him basically for getting rid of Russ <laughs> after seeing how bad um, how we, bad Russ has looked. Yeah. We, we said at the time, like, what are the Lakers doing? Trading all these pieces for Russell Westbrook. Uh, and so far, I think our prediction has been spot on. You look yeah. at where they are in terms of where the Lakers are, they, they've traded their depth for a player who is unreliable in terms of shooting and performance. And it's, it's showing. Yeah, I think we're spot on with that trade from a Lakers perspective. And I actually think from a Wizards perspective, it's even more uh, beneficial than what we thought, just in terms of their depth. Their depth is so good. Yeah. Um, Rui Hachimura and Thomas Bryant, their starting power forward slash centre, both of them from last season, they haven't played a game yet this season. So there's more depth to come with this team. Yeah, uh, scary. Yeah, so that's impressive. I'm not sure where I sit on them. I think We both had them. I think I had them eighth or ninth. I think you did too. Very similar. Yeah, on there. Yeah, I'm still not sure where they're for. I don't think they're going to be a top three, four seed in the East, but I could be proved no. wrong. Um, but I think top six away from the play-in is much more realistic now than I thought it was a month ago. Absolutely, yeah. Surprising everybody, I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, my next team then, also in the East, they were losers of a previous pod, so I wanted to bring them up and give them a quick mention. Uh, I've gone with the Charlotte Hornets, eight and seven, three-game winning nice. streak, which is... Uh, Always nice. Uh, the offense looks a little bit better now. Um, obviously, they beat the Warriors and the Knicks, which are two pretty good wins. Uh, modern day basketball. Uh, those teams are doing well this season, especially offensively. So, I do think that those two wins are good. Uh, still, I still have the same worries about the team, but uh, I was kind of concerned they were going to really underperform their play and expectations. But now they're up to seventh. Their offense has, has made a leap up in, in net rating in the last two weeks. Uh, and I just think they look a little bit better, a little bit better on defence. The roster, the rotation's kind of slimmed down a bit, and I've been pretty impressed with how they've done in the last week or so. Yeah, and that kind of one win behind the Knicks to move them up to sixth as well. Uh, yeah. this, I've already mentioned, I think I mentioned last week, how much I've enjoyed watching any Hornets basketball this season. Um, not just because I love their kit, but it's enjoyable basketball to watch. So, um I want to see more of this Hornets team. Yeah, their new jersey is really nice as well, isn't it? Yeah, 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 really, really good. It looks pretty cool when they have the court as well, the uh, City Edition court yeah. next to it. It looks cool. fits really nicely together. Yeah, but they've always had good, uh, good, uni- good unis now, and now they've got a team to match, which is pretty. Uh, yeah, that teal blue is just chef's kiss. It is definitely uh, cool. Let's move on then. Uh, who is your third and final winner of the pod? Then final winner is, they've got to be mentioned because they are back. It's the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> they're in. They're here. Um, they won uh, four of their last five on a two-game winning streak. The game they lost was to the Golden State Warriors, who are an absolute juggernaut at the moment. Um, but they are their most impressive win lately was going to LA. So... They beat the Clippers 100 to 90. And then the next night, 
they beat the Lakers 121 to 103, <laughs> which was a nice little revenge game, I think, for Lonzo and for uh, for my man, my sixth man of the year, defensive player of the year, Alex Caruso. <laughs> all the awards. <laughs> yeah, he's getting them all. But this Bulls team, um, I would say guards through forwards looks so dangerous. Um, Vucevic, it depends which version of him turns up. Um, but generally, this Bulls team is fantastic. Um, the only thing I'm worried about recently is they have been hit with a couple of injuries. Um, you got Patrick Williams already out, but since November, uh, Vucevic is on the health protocols looking at potential COVID case. Um, Javante Green's out with ankle injury, and Caruso is now out with a wrist injury, uh, but would hopefully be back this week. Uh, so you never want to see players injured. And especially with a team that is this enjoyable to watch. So uh, what they did get back this week as well is Kobe White. And I think he's going to be a great addition to them off the bench. Um, the rich get richer, it seems. Yeah, I've been thoroughly impressed with uh, DeMar DeRozan, to be fair. Um, he was a little bit lost in San Antonio, but he's been this good for three years. He's, his fourth yeah. quarter numbers have been like top in the NBA for three seasons now. Uh he shoots better from three. He still doesn't shoot loads of threes, but he gets to the rim loads. Uh, obviously, his mid-range game is on point. His clutch scoring's on point. His getting to the free-throw line's good. His defense isn't as bad as it used to be. Um, so I've been thoroughly impressed, actually, with him. I think Vooch has probably been their worst addition. I know he didn't come this summer, but uh, in terms of how they played this year, I think Vooch has probably been, I've been the worst. Uh, and they still managed to win games of him out at the moment. So yeah. I think the, the Bulls are pretty impressive. They haven't had an easy schedule. I know that they, they did at the start, but... The last five games have been one of the most difficult stretches in the league, and they've uh, well, they've gone like three and two in that stretch. So I think the Bulls are doing pretty good and uh, second best record in the East at the moment, which is very impressive. Exactly, yeah. And um, I, I think this, this team has longevity. I think it's gonna they're gonna be around about this area for the rest of the season at the moment, providing everything goes well and everyone stays healthy. Yeah, definitely. Uh, cool, my last one of them. We spoke about your team, so why not uh, speak about my team? Uh, Cavs Mavs, matching uh, civils there. I'm going to go with the Mavericks. Uh, they are slight winners and slight losers, I did add, due to the end part of this. But to start off with, uh, three-game winning streak, third in the West, which is really, really good. The offense is starting to figure itself out. It's taken a jump by six places in offensive net rating uh, in the last week since they've done some more small ball lineups. Uh, Porzingis has had his best week as a Mav. He's been incredible, actually. And they play him as a centre more, which is where I think he is long-term. Yeah. Um, I just think they don't want to play him centre for loads of the season because of his injury record. I think when it's the playoffs, he will play centre. But they don't want to do that just on a random Wednesday against the Spurs because I think the, the risk of him getting injured is too much. But uh, they put him more in the second half at centre and the offence has looked great. Lucas had a couple of good games, but unfortunately, uh, rolled his ankle on a silly player and they were <laughs> up 10 points anyway. Uh, he jumped to try and block a shot that didn't really matter if he blocked it or not, but uh, he's hurt his ankle. He's definitely out for tonight's game against the Suns. I can't imagine he'll play the second game in the Suns and then they play the Clippers back-to-back. So I think that he'll probably miss at least one, if not two of those as well. Uh, and this was kind of the first difficult stretch of the season. They beat the Nuggets most recently. Then they had the four-game 
uh, tough games against Suns and Clippers. But if Luca misses them all, you're lucky to win one of those games, I think. I know Porzingis yeah. can go, go off, which he can do. Jalen Brunson will go off in one of the games. But I think if you win two out of those four, you've had a great run without Luca. I just can't see that happening. So they're winners because they've impressed and improved on the first week of the season that I was worried about. But they're not full winners because Luca is out. And when the Mavs miss Luca, they are a different team. Absolutely. It it does seem like at this point that it was kind of teething problems with the Jason Kidd system and he's kind of ironed them out. But I wonder, will teams figure out their style and the way they play and kind of come up with some schemes to slow them down a bit? Um, especially if, like you said, Chris Dapps isn't playing that centre role. I think that is the best position for him. Otherwise, it's a waste of his size and height. I know he likes to pop out to that three-point line and sit out there. But I think that's even better as that centre option because then you're pulling bigger players out of the paint and giving other players more room to operate in there if they need to. Like Luca can get in there and, and kick out to him or um, he's got room to score himself. So I agree with you. That's his best pace. And I hope he remains healthy and, and Luca finds his way back. But uh, yeah, I hope this continues. I am worried about the consistency here, but hopefully they've hit their stride and they're going to push on from here. Yeah, they're basically 16th in defensive rating and 17th in offensive rating. So very much middle of the pack there. Um, the defense has looked a lot better. So we'll see how the, the next stretch goes. Um, and hopefully KP will go off because it'd be a nice confidence booster for him. That if Luca's out, maybe they win one game and he scores 40. That'd be a nice booster. So when Luca's back, KP's got that confidence. I think that's the best you can hope for in, in a, an annoying time when your best player's out injured. But we shall see. Uh, let's move on then from winners and losers, do a little bit of rookie watch. We're going to talk about two rookies each. We'll, we'll probably do this every month or so just to, to catch up on the rookies. Uh, why don't you go first, mate? Tell us the first rookie you want to talk about and what you thought of them so far this season. Let's go with my obvious one, shall we? Let's go with Evan Mobley. One of the best rookies this season and potentially the best player on the Cavs. Um, <laughs> he's been fantastic. Uh I wasn't sure how it was all going to work with the Cavs, what, you know, what they seem to be doing this and the past couple of seasons, signing about 80 big men um, and throwing them out on the court, hoping it works. But it seems to be. Um, I personally am still not convinced this is the way forward. I think Laurie Markkinen should come off the bench and they should start a Coro and have Markkinen lead the bench unit. But Evan Mobley has shown he has a very good all-round game. Uh, his footwork's great. He can move with the ball. His offense is brilliant. If he thinks you're a smaller defender, he'll back you down. If he thinks you're a bigger defender, he's got that kind of turnaround jump shot. Um, he's not afraid to get in there and get some rebounds. He can move the ball when he needs to. So he he's averaging 14.6 points, eight rebounds, and 2.5 assists on the season shooting 49% um, total field goal percentage and 30% from three. Uh, if I could give him a place to work on, it would be his free throws, only 77%. But for a big man, it's still not a bad percentage for somebody who's seven foot. Um, and I think he's only going to get better and stronger. So um, there's so much promise for Evan Mobley, so much hope, I think. Um, what a player to invest in. I don't know if you've got anything to add to that. 
Um, just to highlight again, the defense has just been very impressive. He's guarding the best player on the other team all the time, to be honest. Unless they're a point guard, then maybe not. But uh, he's guarded Kevin Durant this season already. He's guarded Giannis. Um, yeah, I've just been extremely impressed. Him and someone else are probably the leaders for Rookie of the Year. I know you're going to talk about the other person in a bit, so I won't spoil the thunder. But um, yeah, he's been very good. The three-point shot does look legit. I agree with you on the free throws, but like you said, not many seven-footers hit that much anyway. Um, I think there's only Porzingis that shoots a better percentage from free throws actually at that size than than Mobley at the moment. So and he's only yeah. young, so he's got a lot of time to to get better. I agree, he's the best player. I think they need to move the rotation around a bit to suit him. Sometimes I think they're still obsessed on the the guards and they're still obsessed on uh, marking them a little bit as a new addition. But uh, I think as the season goes on, they'll keep using Mobley. Uh, he's been the most impressive rookie, I think, for me overall. Um, my first one, then, I go with someone a bit lower down the list, I guess, someone under the radar a bit. Uh, I wanted to mention Josh Giddy, uh, Australian, obviously, plays for OKC. Uh, I just think him and SGA together in lineups together, uh, I think they were something like the sixth best backcourt lineup in the West when they're together. Obviously, they play minutes not together, and that tends to be when the issues come. Um, they played really well. His defense has been better than I thought, his shot looks better than I thought. Um, he's not, he's built like Luca, I guess. He's a tall guard. He's taller than Luca. Uh, but I just think a lot of people worried about his defense and his defense, it's not great, but it's not been as bad as everyone thought. So that means they can leave him out for some more minutes and he can, uh, he can do a little bit more on offense because his assist numbers are great. Um, he's not averaging loads of points a game, but not many rookies do, but, uh, his creation for other people, I think he's averaging six assists a game at the moment. Uh, he's getting six yeah. turnovers, but there's no shock there when you're, uh, <laughs> when you're that young. Uh, and in terms of his shooting percentages, uh, I think his free throw percentage is uh, like 65 or 66%. And last year uh, overseas, it was 52%. So he's improving year on year from shooting. And I think his defense has been what's impressed me. So I think Josh Giddy, someone maybe not everyone talks about, so I want to give him a little shout out. Yeah, he, you know, in a couple of years time, it sounds like he could be a great kind of pickup for that maybe backup point guard position somewhere where you want to keep the ball moving off the bench. Um, sounds like he could develop into a really, that, that role could be brilliant for him. Yeah. He's only 19 as well. So he's the second youngest rookie in this class. So, oh, wow. uh, so, so young. So I've been impressed with him. Uh, now I know who your second player is, but so why don't you tell everyone who your second player is and uh, why they could also be rookie of the year so far. So I've gone with somebody took me completely by surprise uh, and I think taken quite a few people by surprise and, and how good he's been and that's Scotty Barnes up in Toronto um, he's averaging 16.3 points 8.3 rebounds 2.8 assists uh, again shooting 50% from the field 3 point percentage is diabolical but that's not his game 18.2% and then 79% from the free throw line which um, isn't awful for, for a rookie uh, six foot nine. So, if you see him play, he looks brilliant on both ends of the floor, especially defensively. Um, if you look at the game where they played Brooklyn, he was all over Duran and Harden and making life difficult for them. This is a rookie. It's it's crazy. He, he looks so so good. Um, and he's slotted into that Toronto Raptors uh, lineup, an absolute dream. Um, Nick Nurse is using him so, so well. And again, at times, 
looks like he could potentially be their best player. He's been that good so far for them. Um, it did come out a bit of a kind of left field for me in terms of him. Because, you know, what I'm like, I don't follow the college game, so I don't know how good these guys look in college and what they're going to turn out to be. But uh, I'm mightily impressed by Scotty Barnes. Yeah, so, so am I. I think Mobley and him, the defence has been impressive. I do think Mobley's been a great defender, but I think Barnes is on the next level. Do you know what I mean? Like Barnes has got yeah. a chance to be in an all-pro defensive team. Uh, all defensive team, sorry, already this season. That's how good he's been. And he is guarding, like Mobley, the best player, the best forward on these teams. Uh, and he looks pretty good, pretty good against Kevin Durant. Uh, the offense, the shot looks better than I thought. Um, but I've been just impressed with how much he's been able to get to the rim. Uh, a couple of big dunks, had a big dunk against the Mavs, big dunk against the Nets that I saw live. Um, similar moves, actually, where he kind of backs his defender up and spins. And he's just so athletic that when he spins, it's, it's very hard to keep up with him, especially for these older guys or these bigger, bigger forwards. So, yeah, it's been very impressive. I think those two, for me, that you've mentioned are the front runners as we speak for Rookie of the Year, just because they're both two-way players, which I think is pretty rare for a rookie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, cool. My next one, then. Um, so, I could have done Cade. Uh, terrible start, missing like 20... Sorry, four of his first 24 threes, he only scored four. Uh, could have done him. Kaminga now playing good minutes. Could have done him. Jalen Green scoring the ball. But I decided to go with someone a bit different again for my two because you touched on the main two. Uh, I've gone with Chris Duarte, actually, of the uh, of the Pacers. So he is averaging 14.5 points a game, which is just behind Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes. So he's third in that category. Um, his assists are low because he's not that. He is a shooter. He's shooting 40% from three, 76% from free throws, and 80 Sorry, yeah, 80%, which is high, from corner threes at the moment. Uh, so, yeah, Chris Duarte is playing incredibly well for the Pacers. Uh, he's playing a lot of minutes as well. He's third, fourth in the league for all rookies for minutes. Uh, he is 24. We spoke about him in the draft process. He's perfect player for Rick Carlisle because he's he doesn't turn the ball over. He's only averaging like three turnovers a game. Um, he doesn't make mistakes because he is older. He is more experienced. Um, and I've just been impressed with him. I think the Pacers needed him to be a good player immediately to justify picking someone that age. Uh, and he's not quite got the ceiling of the other guys we've spoken about, all three of them. But I've just been impressed that he looks like an NBA player already. And he did actually after two games. You, you wouldn't know he was a rookie. So I think that's pretty impressive for uh, for anyone just in their first season in the NBA. Given I've, I've not watched much paces this season, but I know you have, does picking up a rookie of that kind of calibre and standard allow the paces to now make some roster moves if they feel like that's what they need to do in terms of improving their performance or does it just kind of shore up the guys that they've got I think it gives you a chance because I think you can take a bit of a flyer on someone else knowing you've got uh, a rotation player for I can't remember they picked him now 13 or 14 so his salary for his whole contract is very very low so you can kind of make a swing now pair one of the the bigs up with the guard they've also got Brogdon and I think Duarte and Brogdon are pretty well matched. I think Sabonis is a good fit next to, Bro- next to Duarte as well. I think it gives you more flexibility then with the rest of the team. I think you can trade anyone uh, apart from basically Brogdon, Duarte and Sabonis. And you've got a, a team that fits together quite well. Um, and we all need shooters, don't we? And he does shoot the ball Absolutely. well. And he's a big guy. So, um, yeah, I agree. I actually do think that finding a rookie that level in the draft at that age with that kind of lack of mistakes every week. Uh, I just think it gives them a bit of flexibility with the rest of the roster. And I'd like to see them make a bit of a move because they're very safe at the moment. And I think that's fine with your rookies, but 
I think with the top of the roster, they could do a little bit more to uh, to make a difference. But Duarte's impressed me. Um, and we'll have to get our friend Jack on the pod to, to see how, what he thinks. See if he's up to Doug yeah. Bucket's standard from shooting the ball yet. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Uh, cool. Uh, so I've got one question then now for you, Ben. Well, two technically. Uh, East and West, I'm going to read you out the current odds. They change all the time with how well the teams are doing. So I'm not asking you to pick an East and West winner because we've done that before. But just looking at the current odds, we'll probably do this again every couple of weeks as well when it's all changing. Who do you think is the best value right now? Uh, so we'll do East first. Here's the odds. We've got Brooklyn 2-1, to one, the Bucks 3-1, to one, the Heat 7-1, to one, 76ers 9-1, to one, the Bulls 14-1, to one, the Hawks 18-1, to one, the Knicks and Celtics both 24-1. to one. Everyone else is uh, obviously a lot higher than that. Out of those teams right now, with the value, with the way they're playing and, and the way you project them to go throughout the season, which uh, number intrigues you the most then? It's got to be Bulls 14 to 1. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's crazy, isn't it? I think you can get better odds than that as well at other places. But um, yeah, they, they, they stood out to me. I think 14 to 1 at the moment is the market not quite realising how good they've been yet. And I think before they lower it, people should get in if they like the Bulls. You know what I mean? If you're a better yeah, yeah. like the Bulls. I think it'll only go down, won't it, that number, as the season goes on? Yeah, definitely. And that's just to win the East as well. That's not even to win the whole thing. Um, for me, 76 is at 9-1 to one was the only other one I'd take just because they are the lowest they're going to be. They're, yeah. they're going to get better as the season goes, so I think the odds are going to get worse. So I think if you like a little bit of a riskier bet, go with the go with the 76ers and hope they make a good trade. Because all it takes is one good Ben Simmons trade. The team could easily be the best in the East or second best in the East, and you ne- you never know. You got nine to one, so yeah, I think that yeah, was. Yeah, a... you you think that's dropped because they're basically missing Embiid. That's how much of a difference maker he is. They add him back in, and they're straight away gonna win more games. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, nice. Two good ones there. Uh, move over to the West then. So favorites, Lakers still eleven to four. Uh, Warriors seven to two. Jazz nine to two, Suns seven to one, Nuggets eight to one, Clippers eight to one, Mavs fourteen to one, Blazers and Grizzlies twenty eight to one. Which uh, team stands out for you on that little I mean, list? On the current standings, your Mavericks uh, could be a, a tasty little pick up there. Was that fourteen to one? Yeah, fourteen to one is not bad. I don't think they are up there with the top tier, but you're not get you're getting great odds, aren't you? Do you know what I mean they're not like yeah. I think eight to one for the Nuggets and fourteen to one for the Mavs. I don't think they're as far apart as what those odds indicate. Do you know what I mean? No, definitely not. I, I would have, I would have said, yeah, I'm. I've not been overly impressed by the Nuggets this season. Whereas, um, I know there's only one game between them essentially, but yeah, uh, I would say the Mavericks have looked slightly better. So, in terms of the the difference in their odds, is staggering, really. Yeah, I think that's a good one. Uh, the Suns at sevens are good, like you said, because they are playing well. Uh, one that stood out for me was just the Clippers at eight to one, just because we've heard rumours that Kawhi Leonard is ahead of schedule. Um, he's more likely to play this season because he got the long-term contract, uh, and they're doing quite well. Paul George on the MVP sort of shortlist at the moment. Yeah, and I think yes, they're not going to have a great record. They're not going to be up there with the Suns, Jazz, Warriors probably. But when the playoff comes, you get Kawhi. If he was fit now, those odds wouldn't be eight to one. I think they'd be shorter than no, eight to one. So definitely. I, yeah, I think if you want to take the risk of Kawhi, um, which is is a risk, I understand. I think that's uh, not a bad choice. Cool. Let's move away then uh, from the betting. Go on to our our usual uh, NBA pick'em. So far, Ben, we are 
technically we should be six and six, but I gave it seven and seven because uh, we did mention an extra game and we won that we didn't write down. But uh, I listened back, so we are seven and seven so far. Nice. All tied up. Uh, usual plan: we're going to do one game that involves what we call top teams, in our opinion, and then another game each that involves playing slash tankers. Uh, I'll start us off. Uh, I'm going to go with the Sunday early game. Uh, the noon game, as it's called in America. Uh, I wish it was on noon our time, but unfortunately not. <laughs> uh, Clippers v Mavs, 8.30pm on Sky. Uh, I chose this game because there's more of a chance Luke will play in this game with a few days rest. Um, but if not, both teams missed their best player, Kawhi and Luka. Both teams very similar in the standings at the moment. Both teams on good runs of form. Uh, in terms of the game, I will pick the Mavs with the hope that Luka maybe does come back. Uh, I think if he doesn't come back, it could be difficult. I think Porzingis has to play better than he did against the Clippers in the playoffs, so it'd be nice to see him. Maybe he's got a point to prove uh, with the fact that the Mavs have stuck him in the corner in that series. Maybe he tries to dominate the game. So, um, yeah, I'll lean the Mavs in the hope I can see Luca play at 8.30 for once in my life, but uh, <laughs> we'll see. His next game will probably be 3 a.m. sometime, No, my luck. <laughs> um, this is a tough one to pick, as they always are. Especially, especially these two teams. How much they played each other in the last two seasons? It's been play ridiculous, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and as as well, like you said, with the Mavs kind of current record looking pretty good, Cooper's been up and down. Um, I'll go against your grain there, um, mm. and I'll take the clips. Nice, nice. Uh, what's your game then that, you, that involves two top teams, as we call it? Um, I've got a bit of a confession. I've kind of gone two middling teams for both fixtures, just nice, because. Man. We'll take that. We'll take that. They're very enticing matchups for me. So my first one actually involves the Clippers. Nice. And the Memphis Grizzlies on Thursday. Um, Jar Morant versus Paul George. Um, crazy offense versus someone who's potentially a very good defender and an MVP candidate currently in this season. Uh, in terms of the standings, the Grizzlies are seven and seven, Clippers are nine and five. Very sort of similar records. They're both on a one game winning streak. Um, both teams, I'm not, like I said, I, I've gone for this matchup because. I could be talked into either team winning this game. Um, I think the Grizzlies are a slightly deeper team, um, even though they're younger and less experienced. But the Clippers seem to be finding their groove lately. Um, but I'm actually going to talk myself into the Grizzlies for this fixture. Cool, nice. I thought you were going to do that. Uh, I'll go opposite. I'll go Clippers. Uh, three-point shot four at the moment. <coughs> Reggie Jackson's gone from like a 26% three-point shooter to 45 again. So he's in one of his hot streaks. Uh, Paul George, like you said, MVP candidate. Uh, I'm a Zion fan, so I've got hate on Jar naturally just to keep the uh, the banter of the podcast flowing for <laughs> however long their careers last. Uh, so I'll lean... I'll go with the clips. Uh, why not? Until that's tonight, Thursday, is it? Oh, no, tomorrow. Uh, Thursday, yeah. Tomorrow, yeah. Nice. Uh, cool. My next one then. Uh, thankfully, doesn't involve the Clippers, or else this is soon turned into a Clippers podcast. Uh, I've gone with Saturday, a Saturday game, one a.m. Uh, two, what I've called tankers, even though one wants to be a playing team. Uh, Timberwolves versus the Spurs. Uh, 
Oof. So, yeah, a team that's very much set in their ways, well-coached, organised, everyone knows what the role is, but they haven't got much talent, versus a team with a lot of talent on paper who seem to not quite understand their roles. Um, I'm going to lean with the better player and better team in terms of uh, roster. I'm going to lean with Carl Anthony Towns scoring too many points against a Spurs team that do struggle against big, big scoring in the paint. Um, unless Jakob Pertl's back, which which I still don't think you should be able to guard Carl Anthony Towns. So uh, I'll go Towns and the uh, Timberwolves for me. Uh, I'm actually going to join you on this one. I nice. think the talent's going to outweigh the coach uh, in this one. I think that's a line that we're going to unfortunately say a lot about the Spurs this season, which uh, yeah does does suck, but that's the way. Uh, cool. Finish us off then. Last game. Who have you got? Make it a good or terrible one, because I know you you love both. So. so, when I read the teams out, for me, it sounds obvious. So, I've gone with the Phoenix Suns versus the Denver Nuggets. But when you look at this, the Nuggets have had a quiet start, but they're 9-5. and five. The Suns are 10-3. and three. There's one game between them, essentially. Um, the, the Suns are on a bit of a hot streak. Uh, but the Nuggets are seven and three in their last ten, so they're not doing too badly either. Um, this is basically a team with some talented guards versus a team with some talented forwards, um, and it's do you rate the way the Nuggets play versus the way the Suns are playing currently? Um, I know where I'm can- going. I'm going to go with Phoenix. I thought you would. I'm going to go with the Nugs. I'm going to go with Jokic, the best player on the court. Uh, arguably, maybe a top five player in the NBA at the moment. His efficiency is just nuts. I think maybe he's higher up on the list than maybe I thought he was. But yeah, I'll lean Nuggets. Um, if no. Aiton's back, it'll be. I'd say it'd be easier because it would be easier for the Suns. But still, I think Jokic will pull him around all over the court when he at times. So, yeah, yeah, I'll go Nuggets. Why not make it interesting? That means for the picks then, like I said, tied seven for seven. We've got Mavs v Clippers. I've got Mavs. You've got Clippers. We've got Clippers, Grizz. I've got Clippers. You've got Grizz. We've got T-Wolves versus the Spurs. We've both gone Timberwolves, which means the Spurs will definitely win. Uh, And then we've got Suns and Nuggets. I've gone for the Nugs and you've gone for the Suns. So, yeah, that's some, uh, some good games to keep an eye on there, I think. So it does mean by next week, one of us will have taken the lead. We hope, unless it's 2-2. <laughs> uh, can't oh, no, it can't be. No, it can't be. Bad maths. That's what you're a teacher, and I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Cool. Well, everyone, uh, go follow us at underscore Harvard Hoops. Uh, we'll try and be a bit more active over there after uh, a busy couple of weeks. Uh, enjoy the week's action on NBA. We've got Thanksgiving next week in America, so some of the games are a little bit earlier, which is nice. Um, and we enjoy the weekend. We'll speak to you soon. Yes, speak to you soon.